If you want to follow along with me this morning, we'll be in Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 21 through 23. Jeff, check, 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 check. Matthew 16, verses 21 through 23. And he writes, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we ask that you just pour out your spirit upon this service, that our ears and our hearts and our minds are open to what you have to say this morning. And all these things we ask in your name. Amen. So last year, I went to go watch a basketball game over at the Greensboro Coliseum. Um, I went with a friend of mine that I've known for over 20 years. And it was his alma mater playing, so he invited me to go watch. And he had actually played for him 
he was a point guard for the Citadel, and they were playing. And we, we had a blast. And um, he was my sponsor, actually, on the walk to Emmaus. Over 20, some, you know, over 20 years ago, he had sponsored me on the walk. And so we were reminiscing about Emmaus and all the things that had gone on there. And we got to talking about a skit that he, had, he was in. And he actually played the devil. And after the skit, everyone picked on him because he made a really good devil. Um, but he told me that after the retreat was over that he was reading scripture. And when he read what is our scripture this morning, he realized how often we do speak to the devil. The command, get behind me, Satan, that you know was spoken to Peter by Jesus is recorded not only in Matthew 16, but in Mark 8. Get behind me, Satan, seems awfully harsh. And it's out of character for Jesus, especially when he's addressing Peter. Peter, one of his most devout disciples. But why did Jesus say this? What was it Peter did to deserve such a rebuke? It was Peter who was speaking for Satan. See, Peter didn't know he was speaking for Satan. He was just setting his mind on things that were not God's plan. You see, God had a plan and a purpose. And Peter's mind was set on the, on the ways of man, the things of the world. Jesus was telling them that the cross was God's will, the plan of redemption for all mankind. And I'm sure Peter wasn't the only disciple that felt the way he did, but Peter being Peter was the first one to speak. Peter unknowingly was being used by Satan in thinking that he was protecting Jesus. Remember Satan tried to tempt Jesus in the wilderness to divert Jesus from ever fulfilling the cross and the grand design of what God was planning. Peter was trying to do the same thing. Peter hadn't figured out yet what Jesus' plan was. Or at, or at least he couldn't believe that was the plan. You see, Peter and the rest of the disciples are expecting a Savior, a Messiah. The idea of giving himself up for crucifixion is not what they expected of their Savior. Peter was inadvertently speaking or being used of Satan and thinking that he was protecting Jesus. Although Peter had just moments before declared Jesus as the Christ, he turned from God's perspective and viewed the situation more from man's perspective, which brought the stern rebuke from Jesus, get behind me, Satan. He goes on to explain in Mark 8, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. At the time, Jesus' stern reprimand did not make sense to Peter. However, Jesus, this indictment presents a profound message to us. We can easily see that Peter had the wrong perspective of God's plan. But we, almost, we must also see how easily we can become an unwilling, unknowing spokesman for Satan if we're not paying attention. See, this is especially true when we lose sight of what God's plan is for us. I told you last week, God has a plan. He has a plan for us. So 
and sometimes we lose sight. This comes when we lose our focus and we start thinking about our career, our possessions, or the things of this world rather than upon what God's plan is for us and what he has planned for us. See, when Peter's focus shifted to his own desires and plans, Jesus rebuked him just to get him back on track. You see, we see this not only throughout the Bible, but we've seen it throughout history. People losing sight of what's the what God's plan is or what God's plan was for their life. Think about Richard Nixon. I'm sure Richard Nixon didn't start out. Well, I'm sure he did start out thinking that he was going to be a very good president. And I'm sure he had every notion that he was going to be a good president. But his focus changed. And it was no longer about the American people, but about protecting himself. He lost sight of the plan. And see, I honestly believe that Jim Baker started out wanting to serve God. But things changed. The things of this world got in the way. And he ended up behind bars. But it doesn't have to be on such a large scale for us to lose focus. It's just really easy for the world to get in the way. Sometimes God will slow the world down for you or put you or put your priorities back in a place for you. You see, during the summer, I had summer school until lunch. And then I had volleyball workouts from lunch until 2 o'clock. And then I go to the golf course and I teach a couple kids that are on my golf team, including my son. I mow my mom's yard on Wednesday. I mow our own yard. Sometimes I have to mow it again, depending on the rain. So I've got a lot going on. I'm here in the office, usually all summer after 4 o'clock for a while that, until the night. So I've got a lot going on during the summer, and none of it I mind. It keeps me busy, and thank goodness for Shelly. She keeps a calendar of where I'm supposed to be and when I'm supposed to be there. But in the middle of all this during the summer, my best friend since I was nine years old went into the hospital for what seemed like a very routine, a scary, but very routine procedure. He ended up staying for over two weeks because of infections and other problems that he was having. But while this is going on, a friend of our family and a man that I've looked up to for a very long time, and some of you know Gurney Davis, you might know his wife Nancy, Gurney passed away right in the middle of all this. So everything that I thought was important at the time, teaching, coaching, mowing grass, this all got pushed aside. And unfortunately it took a sixth friend and the death of a man that I admired for years to put my priorities back in order. No, I, I wasn't taking Satan's side, and I didn't need it to be rebuked like Jesus rebuked Peter, but when I got the call about Gurney, I prayed. When I got the call from Jerry and I got the text, I prayed. I prayed for Gurney's family, I prayed for Nancy, I prayed for his kids. But I also prayed for my father-in-law who had breakfast with Gurney almost every day of the week at Bojangles. You see, if we get caught too much up in the world, 
God can reel us back in. It's then when we need to tell the world to get behind the Savior. See, we can't be representatives for Satan. When we gave our lives to Christ, Satan lost us. We are now a child of God. But that doesn't mean he won't try to use us to keep others from becoming Christians. I've told you this more than once, but this is one of the most strongest statements I've ever heard. The number one cause of atheism in the world is people who proclaim Jesus with their lips but deny him with their lifestyle. I heard the other night, and when I first heard it, I thought about this, and I thought, man, this guy's going in the wrong direction. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. This guy said, we don't need more Christians in the world. What we need is for the Christians that are in the world to act more like Christ. More people will come to know Christ if every Christian in the world started to act like Christ. We would have a revival like we've never had before. If every Christian would start to act like Christ. You see, every year after tryouts and after we've done all of our cutting and we have our teams together, I have a coaching meeting. And I have all the parents there, and I call it it's our parent meeting. And it's where I give my coaching spiel to all the parents. And it's where I tell them that this isn't rec ball, this is high school ball. And no one is guaranteed playing time. And they all shake their head yes, and not one of them heard the, any word that came out of my mouth right then. But I also give them our team rules. And at the end, I think one of the most important things I tell them is that we represent Trinity High School. Wherever we go, even at home or away, we, as parents, as a team, we represent that school. When we have matches, or especially when we're away at matches, what people see from us speaks volume about Trinity High School and what people think about Trinity. See, I've been to basketball games, and I've been embarrassed by our fans. We're wearing the same colors, pulling for the same team, but when the cops have to come in and take fans out of the gym, it embarrasses you. It embarrasses you to know that that's, that's your school and that's your fans that are being pulled out of the gym in handcuffs. Now, this hasn't happened in a volleyball match yet, but it could. I'm just saying, but no, I talked to our fans about that, and I talked to our parents about that, that we represent Trinity High School. When we go anywhere else, that's what people see. But here's the thing. When we walk out those doors, we are on Team Jesus. We are the hands and feet of Christ that represent Jesus to the world. And the devil certainly doesn't want us getting in anyone else on this team. If we let him... He will make others question whether they want to be on this team or not. Our words and our actions and how we live our life cannot be the difference in someone coming to know Christ or not. If, they don't, if we don't live any differently than they do, why do they need Jesus? Why do they need to be any different than what they are if, if we're no different than they are? 
again, when we know that Satan is working on us, we need to tell him to get behind us. There's way too much work out there for us to let him be a part of. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. I just hope our focus is always on God and his plan. And that we may never experience a similar rebuke from our Lord saying, get behind me, Satan. God has a plan. and We're a part of it. We are the hands and feet of Christ. Let's have a time of open prayer. Please stand as we sing that benediction.
signals any different. Heavenly Father, I praise you for your plan. I praise you that your plan was the cross, but thank you, Father. Lord, just help us to go out this week and represent you in all that we do to reflect you to others and be the hands and feet of Christ in all that we do. Father, we thank you right now.